There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another episode of the Bobo and Flex show. My name is Bobo and I am your host and I'm with the beautiful Flex. I'm your... I actually don't identify as a nihilist anymore, so I'm just your favorite African philosopher. (laughs) I'm your... Yeah, I'm a new bitch. Every day I'm a new bitch. I don't know what I am, actually. I'm just a bitch in the void who's eating an orange right now. Flex, how are you doing today? That's really sweet. I like (laughs) like that. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm just... I just am. Mm. I don't want to attribute any feelings or emotions or characteristics to what I'm experiencing. It just is. Yeah. I like that. Been doing a lot of introspection. So, you know, do you know what it, I don't know what it is, but I just wish I could edit and cull every person who has to, like everyone who has an interaction with me. I wish I could be. I don't know, more in control of who gets to, like, engage with me. Mm, do you in mean, the way like, that, virtually? Like, do you know, literally, like, sometimes I sit in my home so unbothered, so uninterrupted, <laughs> um, and then I get a text, you know, from my best friend or my family or my boyfriend, and I'm so filled with love, and it's just such a pleasure. Mm. And then, you know, I see a random thread where, like, someone's saying something dumb, and it's triggered me or I see <laughs> a DM yeah. or someone asking me a question that I've answered or I see an interaction between two, two people I don't know um, and there's like a wild power imbalance and I wish that somebody could address it but it's mm. not going to be me so I just live with that kind of it's, I don't know if it's guilt but um, annoyance yeah or kind of like the admission that I wish I was more in control of not caring about things I don't want to care about. Oh, it just seeps in bitch. sometimes and it affects me more than I want it to. And I'm like, fuck, yeah. I just don't care. Why you care? Leave them. Leave, like, wow. ignore the DM. That is don't actually so relatable. Those two people are fine. Like, <laughs> that is so relatable. That is, yeah. I think the internet will do that to you, especially Twitter. I literally have had to just unfollow humans on twitter because i just will get pressed about shit i have no business getting pressed about yeah <laughs> it's really Look, wild I think it's like the height of maturity to acknowledge yeah that you're just not as self-actualized as you'd like to be oh yeah and we never will be too like that's also mm-hmm. <laughs> i think like enlightenment doesn't exist and like Oh, well, it doesn't exist in this dimension. Like, as long as you're a human being, you'll always be imperfect and flawed. And no one will ever be enlightened. Um, Sad. I think that's incredible. Which brings us to what I was thinking about before we started recording. Yeah. And um, I missed it, but Bobo made a thread in um, the Facebook group asking, 
you all what you'd want us to talk about. And we were discussing some of the submissions that we had gotten. Um, and a lot of them were really interesting, but there are a few that I know Bobo and I don't have great insight on. And so I wonder when people ask Bobo and I to, to talk about stuff, are you expecting us to have like a bird's eye professional scientifically backed up view mm. or are you happy for us to just chit chat and talk our shit because if i chit chat and talk my shit i don't want to be held to incorrect information yeah yeah <laughs> this is why i envy men's podcasts so much like the joe budden podcast and like <laughs> three shots of tequila like they can really just talk their shit and no one holds them accountable but yeah. if we say one little thing <laughs> it's just over yeah it's madness so just let us know like when well that's what i want to understand when you're listening to us are you expecting a gold nugget of truth every time or are you just fine with the fact that we're going to say things that are wrong and we're going mm. to offend you and it's just part of the part of the journey it's so interesting i also love that you asked that because so i was talking about veganism <laughs> on my Instagram story the other day. And of course, every time... I think veganism is the topic that triggers people the most, surprisingly. Mm. So I was just talking about how, like... I was basically just asking the question, why do people get so bothered by vegan meat alternatives? Like, why would you care? If it's... What I'm eating doesn't affect you. Why do you care? So just talking about that... What do you mean by bothered? What's an example of that? So for example... I'll post a recipe. I'll be like, oh my God, vegan burger or like, oh my gosh, vegan mac and cheese. And someone will be like, if you're vegan, why do you try and make vegan meat alternatives? Why not just eat your vegetables and go? Like, why must you eat <laughs> vegan? But haven't we clocked that it's people like you can still like the texture and taste Bitch. of meat without wanting to kill an animal. Literally, I think that I is such a that. complex thought process for people. Like, no, like the amount of people who genuinely don't understand. So, mm. yeah. So I literally, res the next story, I continued by saying, surely you don't need to be an astrophysicist to recognize that I can like the taste or the texture of chicken, but still not want to participate in animal agriculture, either for health reasons or environmental reasons or spiritual reasons, like whatever the reasons are. Like two things can be true. I like chicken and I don't want to eat a chicken. So the solution to that <laughs> is a plant-based chicken. So people really get offended by that. And especially in person, like when I'm in the flesh with humans, I tend to not mention that I'm vegan because it always turns into a debate. Like someone will just ask, oh, why is there no meat on your plate? And I'll be like, oh, I'm actually vegan. And then they'll be like, uh -oh. why? But, you know, you need all the protein. And like now it's a debate about protein that I had no interest in. And I'm like, <laughs> please eat your please eat your lamb shank and like leave me. Yeah. Out. Like, I actually don't care. <laughs> that's like i'm just over here eating my tofu like i don't care what anyone eats like i'm i mm. literally don't care so basically i was just talking about that so then someone messages me and says hey i think it's really irresponsible for you to frame veganism as a healthy lifestyle you might have teenagers following you who might believe everything that you say and that's really irresponsible of you to 
say something that's untrue. And I'm just like, no, no, no I didn't sign up for that. Mm-mm. It's also why I say at least every month, I don't believe in moral absolutism. There is no such thing as objective truth. Life is inherently absurd. Don't go to anyone for objective truth. Create your own. So if at this point, at your big age, you are still looking for moral guidance and objective truths from a random bitch on Instagram, is that not on you? And then it's Wait, also so like, can I ask why this person was saying that you shouldn't be framing veganism as a healthy lifestyle? So I think what she's saying is me talking about veganism. She's inferred that because I talk about veganism quite often. Well, I don't talk about veganism, but I post vegan recipes quite often because obviously I'm writing a vegan cookbook. So she's inferred mm. that my interest yeah my desire for like good tasting vegan food is also me promoting veganism as a certain healthy or more ethical lifestyle which I've also never claimed to do like that's also Mm. another thing so that's just an inference on her end that she's projecting on me Mm -hmm. and on top of that also projecting (laughs) her desire for like a moral compass but also clearly projecting her cognitive dissonance around like food ethics or her relationship with food but it's interesting to me that you would expect a random bitch on the internet to be a moral compass and it's also interesting to me that you'd expect a moral bitch on the internet a random bitch on the internet to carry the burden of moral responsibility for absolute truths for teenagers on the internet like that to me is wild which goes back to your initial question of like what do people expect from random yeah what is the expectation from random bitches on the internet Mm. it's also another thought because i was telling bobo that i signed up to this online uh i guess you can call it like an online course Mm. site where uh, it's called masterclass and this uh service has invited like the greatest minds in the world to like walt disney and like fucking scorsese to almost like do a, a web course and to give you insight into you know what they've learned during their career and although i don't want to be a director or i don't want to do a lot of things i like to learn yeah. And I, it dawned on me that I've almost forgotten how refreshing it is to receive advice from people who have been alive long enough to have all Lived. this data. Yeah. And accumul- accumulative knowledge. Like, I think I got, I think I've just been so used to this echo chamber of young people who don't really know as much as they'd like to. Mm. Over enthusing their understanding of themselves and the world around them and then giving advice. And I think there, I do believe there's a benefit in like young people speaking to young people about young people problems, but so much of what we deem to be young people problems are just people problems mm. that could be dissected um, and yeah, dissected by somebody who's had like the data of being alive for fucking 60 years right. to do so. I feel, yeah, I feel like advice from old people, quote unquote, has been villainized so much, but there's yeah. so much good shit in there. It's so and wild I, wonder, I was talking about this today. Yeah. It's madness. Yeah, and I wonder, I feel, 
I'm saying a lot of I feel, but I've been feeling it. Mm. <laughs> I feel like um, so much of my, I don't know how I describe it. Sometimes when I read a think piece about the way that boomers regard millennials, I'm yeah. like, fuck, you're so right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the same, you know, the same trope of them being entitled and unable to be resilient, unable to critically think, (laughs) unable to X, Y, Z. And bless you. And although a lot of that is, you know, wildly generalized and misguided, when I have interactions with my fellow peer and I see some of these, like, these points of contention come up to the surface, I wonder if it's because we're just like the blind leading the blind mm. and getting praised for doing so. And that if we were in environments where our worldview was challenged and we'd allow it to be challenged by people who were older than us and quote unquote didn't get it. That's would so we develop interesting. like would we develop a more, I don't know, refined way of being? Yeah. I think it's cultural also. Because I was asking a friend of mine today, I was like, why do Americans hate old people so much? Obviously, like, Mm. that's a hyperbolized question. (laughs) But generally, I find with American culture that, like, there's such an obsession and fixation on youth, not just in terms of physical appearance, but also just in terms of, like, actual tangible value to society, it seems here that the older you get, the quicker you get discarded, Mm. which seems so contradictory to me. Like, surely the older you are, or at least for me culturally, like being African, more specifically South African, I find that we have just a lot more respect for our elders, not because Mm. they're older, but because they have wisdom that we don't have the range to have. Yeah. And so he responded by saying, well, it's because boomers destroyed the economy. They left us with crippling student debt and then they blame us for all the shit that they've done. And then they Mm -hmm. expect us to stay inside for them when all they've done is cause harm to us. So I feel like there's like political... Is that really all they've done? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like... You know, I don't know. I can't speak for Americans because I'm not American. But the, I right. generally feel like that's the general consensus. And like the relationship mm. between millennials and boomers is that millennials resent boomers for creating the world that they've left for millennials. And mm-hmm. boomers resent millennials for not being grateful for doing the best they can. It's it's a really interesting relationship. That is interesting. Yeah. But I digress. Here we are on the internet giving advice. Yeah. <laughs> it's so I, we, I've, I've spoken about it before, about how when people uh, message me now for advice, I just send them to the Facebook group because oh, I like the concept of the blind leading the blind when I'm not liable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Even when I do have the information, I think that there's a part of me who is fearful is too strong of a word, but who's just a little bit hesitant Mm. about intertwining my life and my ideals, my views with that of a stranger. Yeah. Just because every day I'm alive, I get more and more aware of the fact that my perception of the world I live in bleeds through everything that I do. Mm. So let's say career advice. Yeah. 
it's easy for me to tell somebody to apply themselves um, because I've seen the benefits of application. Right. But if you haven't seen the benefits of application, then it's difficult to apply yourself. Right. Right. It's simple for me to uh, adv- it's simple for me to advise, advise myself to uh, be turbo or to be assertive or to be forthright mm. because, or to be bold because I've been in environments where that behavior has been affirmed and praised and regarded as being appropriate. Mm. But if that's not your reality, then suddenly that's not the appropriate advice. And the reason why I'm getting more hesitant about giving advice is I don't think that a lot of the time the recipient is aware of the fact that perception is what makes this advice like valid or invalid. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, so from, and generally when you go to somebody for advice, you're presuming that you are, uh, of e- like your equals in some way, or you resonate with that person or you, from your understanding of their situation, it mirrors yours mm. or your mindset or your experience and often it might not considering that when you go to advice from when you go to a stranger for advice the stakes are so high they don't know you and you don't know them but you're assuming that they have enough insight into you to give you advice that's necessary that's and I know for myself personally when something goes wrong for me I'm always looking for somebody to blame but I'm quite comfortable blaming myself Mm. so that's why I like to be a lone wolf in the sense that I want to work alone, do things alone, um, manage my life alone. So if things go right, I can claim it. But if things go wrong, I know where the source um, right. of that error was. Yeah. And I worry that when you give somebody advice who doesn't know you, the source of the error is always going to be on somebody else and not them. Mm. Look, it's it's an interesting one, but um, yeah, but we digress. No, that's a really oh, interesting... anyone... <laughs> can give us insight into that because i don't know i don't know what i don't know what the expectation is because i prefer not to go to a stranger for advice yeah especially if they're not somebody who i deem to be an expert in that field yeah it's why you stop going to friends like i stopped going to friends for relationship advice oh please speak on this please speak on going to friends for career advice a long time ago um and Advice, let's not conflate advice and an opinion because right. I'm happy to get opinions on a lot of things about my relationship or my career, but advice, not so much. Yeah. No, I'm this, literally, I'm exactly the same. I love to hear other people's insights and like experiences, especially on something that I haven't done before, but I'm not ever going to someone to tell me what to do. I think part of it is because I'm a bit arrogant and I assume most people don't have the range. And then another mm-hmm. part of it is just like, these hoes don't know me like that. I don't know. But do you think the internet has created a culture where it's so easy now to just go on Reddit or on Facebook to, and just ask yeah. a bunch of strangers for advice? Whereas before, were people more forced to think critically and like be more independent? Well, I don't mind, um, I don't mind people going to, uh, like a forum or a group where you can get the insight of tens of hundreds of people. That Mm. to me makes a lot of sense because if you're doing the right thing and collating that data and trying to find, you know, the best suited, um, advice for your situation, that feels fine. It's more the one-on-one. Like Mm. I deem you 
a random, a stranger, whether or not you're on the internet, um, as worthy of giving me advice based on some preconceived idea of you having information I think I don't have. Right. That, I'm like, the stakes are so high for you. Yeah. Uh, the stakes are so high for the person asking for the advice, but so low for the person giving the advice. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm like, oh, it's tricky. It is. I also don't think. <laughs> I also think it has a lot to do with the fact that like people, people look outwards for their personality. So people create their personalities from the outside in, as opposed to from the inside out. People mm-hmm. watch the news to get opinions so that they can know what they're supposed to think about something, instead of mm-hmm. actually just watching something and forming their own opinion. So, like, something that people will do to me is someone will send me a message on Instagram and be like, hey, so my dad is from Iran and my mom is Egyptian and I just wanted to know, does that make me black? And, like... Oh, my... I think I got a similar message. Really? Yeah. I'm like, sis, (laughs) that's none of my business. It's not my business. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) And it's so strange to me. In the nicest way possible. Yeah. No, I just told her, I don't have the range to answer that for you. (laughs) And someone else asked me the other day of like, hey, I appreciate your insights on race. I just wanted to know what you think about the experience of being a white migrant in, I don't even remember what the country was. I was like, I'm just not going to speak on the experience of being a white migrant because it's so far removed from me. Like, I don't have the range to have that conversation, to have that opinion. It's really interesting Mm. that people seek to form (laughs) their own opinions externally and not internally. Mm. I guess it's like thoughts culture. Ooh, what's that? People talk about it a lot in our Facebook group where they really dislike when somebody posts something that's obviously... Um, inappropriate, bigoted, racist. Oh, and it'll be like thoughts. Uh, yeah, and th- thoughts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and I get it. Um, I totally understand why that's annoying. And you know, you'll when you're on the receiving end of a thoughts. Yeah, you could do. You could do the thing and just give your thoughts because you know you're nice. Yeah, but I'm a petty bitch. Who'll just screen or be like, "What do you think?" <laughs> And then when you respond, I'll screen it again. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I don't know what it is, but something about, I don't know, I think I've been sobered up to my, you know how we talk about mortality a lot and how we become more and more aware of our mortality. Mm. I think I've just been really sobered up to my youth and mm. how. Wait, what though, does that mean? Well, even even though we're considered adults and we might do things like, you know, live alone or run businesses or be in adult long-term relationships, we're still so um, infantile in yeah. so many ways. And there are so many things we haven't experienced, will not experience, don't have the depth of the range to discuss or critically analyze. And I'm, I mean, I talk about this a lot in the context of relationships Um, And the reason why I think that millennials on the younger end of the spectrum have so have such a hard time Mm. with the whole the whole idea of dating and relationships. And it's because we spent so much time uh, 
we've spent so much time rushing to adulthood, number one. Um, and that's doing all the right things, looking for symbols of adulthood. So like right. I can drive, I can drink, I can do drugs, I've got a job. Mm. Um, and theorizing why things are the way they are with all the hubris you have of being a young person who forgets that like life is much more complex than how you perceive it to be. Um, and then we have so many different avenues that affirm this hubris. Like, oh, she's so smart, intelligent because she is, you know, forward enough to like put her thoughts on the internet let's affirm her let's affirm her let's affirm her interesting and then you spend so much time really cementing your belief in things that you have no experience in so by the time it comes to like living and experiencing it you're like fuck this is a lot harder than i thought it'd be (laughs) that's so so interesting you know how you know i see i see the dump him culture yeah on twitter yeah in our facebook group he does this dump him he didn't respect he didn't respond to your text message dump him he mentioned his ex, dump him. But if it was that simple and if it was that uh, widely known, then there would be nobody to dump because nobody would be in a relationship. Literally, literally. You know, like, what do we do when somebody's a racist? Call them out. What do you do when someone's prejudiced? Call them out. What do you do when someone culturally appropriates? Call them out. Yet there are enough people still doing it that, you know, nobody's calling it out because suddenly it's harder than just typing call it out. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> My boss, you know, my box, my boss is sexist. My boss makes inappropriate jokes. Oh, report him. Oh, just, you know, tell him how it makes you feel. Oh, just quit. And then just like you're in that, that position and, and you're, you're still in the job and it's been 10 years because <laughs> everything's harder yeah. than we'd like to make it out to be. And something about, I don't know, confidence and ego and arrogance and the hubris of just you know, being affirmed for being loud and not necessarily right. Mm. I can just see the blind leading the blind. Yeah. And I'm in it. I am it, you know? <laughs> and it's We just, all are. It's really sobering. Yeah, it's really interesting. I also think something that a lot of people don't take into account, especially when it comes to relationship advice, is that mm. the people giving relationship advice are often just projecting their insecurities onto you and masking that as advice. So you will say, hey, my boyfriend. I have a good one for that. There's an Am I the Arsehole that we should read later. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it. I posted it. I don't know if I posted it in the group or on my Instagram story, but it was the first time the results had been close to 50-50 about who was in the wrong, mm. which I thought was really interesting. Um, what was it? But we could, should I read it now? Yeah, let's get into it. it now. Oh, and I just had a revelation the other day while I'm looking for this mm. that I think that I convinced myself that because in the nicest way possible, I just don't want to hear what a stranger has to think about anything unless I've asked. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I don't know how to explain it in a way that, that doesn't sound conceited, but... Um, Let's say, you know, uh, how do I explain this? Oh, I can just use an am I the asshole, for example. I'll post an am I the asshole on my story just because, like, I think it'd be interesting for people to be able to read it um, and, you know, give an opinion. And then people will tell me how they feel about it. And then I'll have to think to myself, oh, I just, like, don't really care (laughs) what a stranger feels about this because I don't know anything about you and what to inform that opinion. Right, right. Or the other day I posted about um, what I do an Instagram story on. Oh, I was talking about um, pretty privilege, as I like to do Mm. 
and I had written something that was quite long and I had put in bold red font, don't message me with your feelings, it's fine. This is just food for thought. Yeah. And and then shortly after received upwards of 30 messages saying, I know you said don't message, but <laughs> I just felt so implored that I wanted to tell you what I thought. And now you feel rude and, um, for leaving them unread. Well, this is the thing. So it's less about that I don't care about people's opinions, but I think it's because, and it's similar to what I said at the start of the episode, I can't control how somebody's message or what somebody says is going to affect me. Mm. So in the sense that if I've said don't respond, it's not because what you then say is going to be invalid because half the time it's valid. But then I get sucked into... 30 mental debates of where somebody said something that I disagree with and I have to muster up all of my restraint not to respond and start like a back and forth dispute because then I have to do back and forth with 30 people and fundamentally it's not that important to me but I just I just can't let it go yeah no I (laughs) have that you know I have that too or if somebody's asked me something that I just don't have the insight on um so somebody might say like the other day somebody said that they wish that I, they appreciate that I, um, you know, do all the right things and I don't use gendered language and I'm considerate of, you know, all these perspectives, but they wish I would do more when it comes to talking about non-conventional relationships, like polyamorous relationships or, um, uh, like homosexual relationships. And in my head, I'm like, I don't know anything about these things firsthand. So I don't want to put my hand up and become an authority. Right. And it frustrated me so much that I would even have to say this. Yeah. So I didn't say anything, but it still plagued my mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, like literally. Three hours later, I'm still in my head being like, why the fuck can't they see that I don't want to put my foot in and be like, this is how I think trans relationships should be. Can you imagine? Because I don't have this information. And now I'm like in my head being like, <laughs> but it's also, so it's not even about, <laughs> it's also the audacity to fix your fingers, to ask someone else to do some shit. You could just do, I don't know. Like how can you ask someone what to do with their own platform? Like to me, that's just so much audacity. I don't understand. Yeah. And it's even platform aside. It's one of, it's just, yeah, a revelation that I'm having where it's not that I, when I say I don't care, like don't tell me because I don't care. It's because I don't want to care. That's the difference. (laughs) If you tell me, I'll probably care and I don't want to. So please don't tell me. I love that. That's such an important distinction. Yeah. And it's a hard one to explain. Um, Just how do you, it's hard to, it's hard to PSA. Because, and that's another thing that I've started to notice that it's, um, it's easy for me to think that I have developed my, developed my character in so many ways. Um, but I don't even think it's that. I just think I've become really good at setting my boundaries and kind of blocking out a lot of interactions I don't want to be having. So I'm boundary setting. I'm not building resilience or learning how to effectively, resolve conflict with strangers or any of that stuff i just like i'm putting up walls and being like i don't want to deal with it because it's 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 not doing it once a day it's doing it 20 times a day anyway the am i the asshole is an interesting one um let's discuss the headline says am i the asshole for telling my boyfriend that it's highly inappropriate 
for his female roommate to be walking around without pants on. So the person writing this is 21, a 21 year old female and her boyfriend is a 21 year old male and they've been together for nine months. Mm. He is living with a female roommate who is 19. So two years younger than him that he refers to as his little sister. It's never been an issue with her. Like, obviously, the idea of her boyfriend living with a girl isn't the most fantastic idea for her, but she says, what can you do? They're like best friends, which has always kind of irked her, but that's not what the issue is at hand. The issue, she says, is that every single time she stays over there, she wakes up to the female roommate cooking breakfast in just panties and a T-shirt or a tank top or some skimpy shorts or something. She's um, it, she's ignored it because it's not her place to tell the female roommate what to wear and not what not to wear, but she feels like it's inappropriate and disrespectful. She says sometimes the female roommate walks around in just a robe and you can't see anything underneath, but it still makes her uncomfortable. Yesterday, the girlfriend was on FaceTime with her boyfriend and saw the roommate walk by in the background and was wearing very cheeky panties with a shirt that only half covered her butt. Um, and the girlfriend obviously had a bit of a fit about that and told her boyfriend that it was inappropriate and disrespectful for her to be walking around like that, especially because the boyfriend has a girlfriend. Mm. It caused a really big fight between the boyfriend and the girlfriend and the boyfriend got mad at the girlfriend for even accusing him of anything um, and told the girlfriend that the roommate was like his little sister and he's never looked at her that way. He also, quote unquote, made excuses about how things tend to look more revealing on her because she's just curvy. He said it was the roommate's house as well and that if he can walk around in boxes and no top, then why can't she walk around wearing her underwear? Facts. Um, so the girlfriend told him to stop wearing boxes around the house and texted uh wait so the girlfriend told the boyfriend to stop wearing boxes around the house and then the girlfriend texted the roommate and told the roommate that she needs to cover up and stop being rude now the boyfriend is pissed off at the girlfriend and is convinced that the girlfriend is really insecure and an asshole and he told her to get over it and that she's being too much and she just needs to leave the roommate alone. The question is, is the girlfriend the asshole for getting upset and calling him out? She feels like any woman would be upset, but maybe she's the asshole since it's her house. Now, she made an edit to say that the girlfriend, the roommate, sorry, is not gay, unfortunately, which is a strange thing to write. Um, and the girlfriend, though, sorry, the roommate is not gay and the roommate also has a boyfriend who is okay with the fact that the girlfriend walks around in her underwear. The boyfriend of the roommate even smacks the roommate's ass in front of the, her boyfriend, which she thinks is inappropriate. Um, and the two roommates have been living together for almost two years. So context. interesting. So there were mixed reviews. Mm-hmm. Some so people were saying she's half- the asshole. Yeah, and half were saying that she wasn't. When I first read this, I thought it was, um, it kind of was reminiscent of the conversation that we've never fully had on the podcast about whether or not men and women who are heterosexual can be just platonic friends. Mm. And for those who don't know, I believe they can, Bobo believes they can't. That's a really generic, basic way of like the, 
how we view the conversation. But I feel like that kind of applies to this conversation as well. I inherently feel like men and women who are heterosexual can be in environments and not want to fuck each other. Um, even in the context of being half naked. Um, but what I found to be really interesting is this relationship that the girl is having to the other girl's body, it seems. Right, right. Because she's presuming that it's sexual purely because it's in the context of how the proximity of that girl to her boyfriend. Right. Right. So is the issue with the girl's body or the issue that you're insecure about the way your boyfriend? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Feels about the girlfriend's body. Because really, it's not the roommate's business, Yeah, right? Like, it is her house. She, she can was there wear before what she you. wants. Yeah. She's been wearing what she's been wearing. It's not a big deal. And if your boyfriend has clarified that there is no sexual attraction, then why what are you is so pressed? Yeah. Yeah, I think she's projecting her mistrust of her boyfriend onto this woman because she views her as competition. And for me, like, while I don't think that, like, yes, I think men and women can be friends, but I don't think men and women, cis, straight men and women, it can be friends without there being any sexual tension. Obviously, this is excluding, like, family relationships, like, childhood friendships, like, friendships that extend beyond just platonic. But I think that's irrelevant to this problem anyway, because if your boyfriend is sexually attracted to someone that isn't you and you are in a monogamous relationship, the onus is on him not to cheat on you. The onus is not on the other girl to not entice him to cheat. So that's the way that I feel. Because also, even if we extend this context outside of this immediate apartment, her man's walks outside every day and he's surrounded by beautiful women. He's surrounded mm. by women that he wants to fuck. And the onus is on him to not fuck and be faithful and be truthful. The onus is not on other women ever. It's not really that she's being the asshole. No. I think that's a bit of a stretch, but she's just clearly projecting her insecurities and not resolving her trust issues. I do believe it was an asshole move to go above or not above around her boyfriend to text this oh, yeah. roommate and yeah. tell her what she can and can't do mm. in the context of her home. Yeah. What I do think is really interesting is that, I mean, I can, with the same brain, acknowledge that I can see how the behavior can be deemed inappropriate given the context. And I can also see why it's like, it's not the roommate's business. Yeah, like she yeah, doesn't have me. to change. Like <laughs> I can sympathize with both. Like if you're in a, if you're in a situation where, and I'm also taking their ages into account also where I remember being like 21 um, 
and in a relationship and felt feeling like I had ownership over people because they were mine and I was theirs. Mm. And therefore, these are rules that have to be abided by. And because now we're now together, you are not allowed to like see, look, feel, touch, whatever. I get it. Right. So I, th- I think I sympathize more considering they're so young and it is a hard thing to grasp right. that like yeah. people can like years and years down the track you'll now realize that it's fine and like it's not a big deal but also what I think is shitty in this scenario is that if you're if the boyfriend in this case if you know your girlfriend is insecure and you know that she has a problem with this behavior it doesn't serve you to minimize how she feels about it facts yeah if she had the ability to get over it and if she had the ability to register this as not being a big deal she would have done so right yeah (laughs) like nobody wants to feel insecure (laughs) for fun yeah (laughs) like both of them are not addressing the like the issue here isn't the girl at all the issue here literally is trust and insecurity and neither of them are addressing the issue but what I found, oh, and I say all this to say is the, um, the, in my DMs, yeah, it was really split down the middle, but the argument I found for both sides is really interesting. And there was one distinct argument that women's bodies aren't inherently sexual. They're just being over-sexualized. Mm. Um, and that was a lot of the arguments there, which to me feels like a big, um, how do I explain it? It feels like, um, Twitter discourse yeah, in the sense that it's not practical. Rash- yeah. Rationally and in theory, absolutely. Yeah. But in reality, yeah. When <laughs> in reality, most people aren't that actualized for that to be, right. you know, a, a, an, an argument that hits in the context of a really serious, um, like yeah, no, <laughs> relationship absolutely. discussion. But it's also like um, when you make statements like that, you assume that we don't live under the patriarchy. Like, yes, we all know objectively that women's bodies aren't sexual objects, but we also all live in a patriarchal system. So women's bodies are sexualized. Yeah. Which, and like, I know we're making a lot of like loops and leaps and jumps, but that's what I, that's how I'm deeming a lot of advice that gets given on the internet Mm. is it kind of, gets disseminated in a vacuum where we're not really considering the fact of the matter. Yeah. And so the people who were also inboxing me to say that, you know, the girlfriend is completely in line and it's all her boyfriend's fault and the housemate is inappropriate. It made me also feel like, did you not read the whole post? Yeah. The girl, the roommate's been there first. They're not attracted to her. They're friends. It's a familial relationship or so they say and it's her house therefore given this insight and context is it still fair to say that the roommate is the asshole yeah i don't know like just like (laughs) it's almost as though when when giving advice most of us uh not most of us but when giving advice some of us are in a position where we can use a critically a critical lens to give said advice right but when it comes to assessing whether or not that advice that advice is relevant um or effective we don't use the same critical lens oh yeah yeah no absolutely (laughs) (laughs) like yes we understand that women's bodies aren't inherently sexual but the patriarchy sexualizes it and then what do you tell 
this grieving yeah. girlfriend. <laughs> like, that's just what we tell her. You know what I also think the problem is? I think there's... Hold on, I need to sneeze. I think there's an irrational expectation of perfection in relationships because of the culture of positivity and, like, optimism. I think we're all sold this idea that, like, a healthy relationship will have zero insecurities and have zero trust issues and have Mm. zero jealousy and have zero zero toxicity like and it's like no life doesn't work that way i think we all just live in this culture of like really irrational optimism and it just (laughs) actually creates a lot of toxicity because it's like if we understood and accepted that when you go into a relationship you are going to be insecure you are going to bring in your baggage from your previous relationship you are going to be jealous at some point at some point you will be irrational because you are trash like we all are trash and we bring our trashness into all of our relationships and that is okay so like what you have to do from there is deal with your trash it's just not nuanced to say that oh this girl is insecure therefore dump her everyone is going to be insecure at some point and everyone is going to be jealous and everyone will be toxic but you deal with the issues like like I feel like people are really scammed into believing that love is just a perpetual state of excitement which just isn't the case like that's not the case for anything so like why would it be the case now and I think that's a lot of like that's a really important nuance that people don't think about when they're giving or taking advice and also in the context of I mean it kind of goes back to this idea of being self-aware and also I'm the type of person where I'm naturally quite an irritable bitch so if something is bothering me I'm just going to say it. I don't really care to... Before, I used to be the type of person who would catalogue and catalogue and catalogue and catalogue and catalogue and and then let them be, like, have this 90-page dissertation about all the ways they've irritated me. Mm. But what's ineffective about that is people often need immediate... People need the time to assess their behaviour and then react to it. And if I tell you nine months later that what you did on March 13th offended me. How are you going to know what it was Literally. and how to change it? So I'm quite um, nitpicky in the sense that if I see it, I'm just going to say it because it's better off out yeah, of I'm my brain same. and out of my mind and onto your page. So the reason why I would struggle to also give advice to this person in this situation is because knowing me, I would have been said it. If this, if clearly if you've been together for nine months and the these have been housemates for two years, you would have seen the dynamic before you dated. Right, you would have seen the dynamic right. before you started going over. It takes no time. And this this is how I would do it. Sometimes I'm suggesting you do it. But it takes no time to be like, hey, this makes you feel uncomfortable. Now what? Right. Yeah. <laughs> because realistically, yeah. your boyfriend is in a rock and a hard place. What is he actually meant to do? Must he now move out? Like, what has happened? <laughs> <laughs> and then when I, I speak a lot about like priorities, um, 
and hierarchies in relationships, like interpersonal relationships, where we all want to feel like we're top of the food chain. Right. That if we had an issue and brought it to our loved one or our friend or whatever, that it would be resolved immediately because we're the priority. It's not often the case. (laughs) Right. And I feel like a lot of us aren't used to or aren't really aware that for a lot of these scenarios, we're not the priority because if we were, it would have been resolved. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So... Clearly, when I look at this scenario, it, it it feels clear to me that the priority is the boyfriend's comfort. It's his living arrangement. It's maintaining this relationship with his friend, little sister, roommate. All of these things are clear priorities. Yeah. And how you feel is not a priority. To me, that is something that could be like tracked and assessed mm. the whole nine months of your relationship. And because it wasn't nipped in the bud... Now you've actually got a a situation where you being the number one priority is what needs to happen and it's not going to. Right, right. (laughs) Because it's not just, it's just not, it's not your portion. It's not the way a relationship goes. That's such a good point. Yeah, wow. Like what must your boyfriend do now? Go against the grain of everything that you've done prior. Especially... I remember um, I was listening to Esther Perel's podcast, Mm. um, Where Should We Begin? And for those of you who don't know, Esther Perel is a psychotherapist and a psychologist. And she has this podcast where she invites couples into um, into her podcast studio and gives them a therapy session that we can listen in on which is great and it's all consensual and she doesn't keep them on as clients afterwards. It's just for the, the podcast episode. But there was this one episode uh, of these like two young people who essentially just had a really hard time resolving conflict. And um, what happened was, you know, the, the girlfriend would go on this, you know, tirade about how she was feeling and how she presumed the boyfriend was feeling and how she presumed the boyfriend perceived the way she was feeling And then after that monologue, Esther then asked the boyfriend to, um, to respond to what he had heard. Yeah. And before he responded, Esther asked him to repeat what was said to him and he goes to repeat it. And naturally he just paraphrases the shit out of it and misses the point. And Esther says, when you're in, uh, when you're having a point of contention with a loved one or any interpersonal relationship, People can only last about 10 to 15 seconds of hearing information they deem to be incorrect before they zone out completely. Yeah. So if Bobo and I are fighting and I'm telling Bobo that she's making me feel X, Y, Z and Bobo doesn't agree, I've got about 10, 15 seconds before Bobo zones out and is already thinking about her rebuttal. Mm. So what happens in these situations is that people are far more concerned with making sure that what they're trying to say is being heard rather than making sure they're listening (laughs) so they can formulate yeah yeah so they can formulate a proper response and i found that to be so interesting because even in this even in this scenario here i i would i would wonder what either party really thinks is happening like does is her boyfriend really hearing her when she says she's uncomfortable or how is he interpreting her critique right do you know like is he really hearing it as like I, i is he hearing it as like your girlfriend, your housemate's crossing the line and she's got to go? Or is he hearing it as, I'm feeling a little bit insecure, I need to be, you know, affirmed or I need to be heard, yeah. I need to be understood? Chances are probably not. <laughs> of course not, yeah. Because neither of them have addressed the underlying issue. 
that's so interesting and and it's also why i think it's so important before you even date someone to lay out all your insecurities on the table like to be like hey i'm insecure about other girls i'm insecure about my body i'm insecure about my titties i'm insecure about my finances and here's a list of things that trigger my insecurities so i'd appreciate if you could be sensitive around those areas and if i lash out at you it's probably coming from these insecure like to have that conversation have you had a scenario where you've had that conversation with someone and it's gone well yeah can you recall a time where you've had because i i want to give people an example of how that works because yeah remember how we was we shared that fucking screenshot of twitter where people were like here's how you respond if you're not in the headspace yeah (laughs) oh my god i screamed (laughs) i screamed because really if you're not somebody who is because i think the reason why these conversations are easy for us to have is that we already have experience in doing so and I, mm. when I f- have conversations and tell people how I feel, I, it's not that I feel like I'm in a position of power, but I don't feel embarrassed or slighted to let people know what I want. Yeah. It's just what I've been taught to do. Right, right. So if you're somebody who is naturally a people pleaser or is feeling a little bit insecure about the consequence of saying how you feel, then how do you actually get to a point of telling someone like, hey, these are my triggers. These are my insecurities. Oh my God. Because for a lot of people, like that's, that's, that's the hardest thing you could ever do. Wait, but why is, why is it hard though? I mean, I feel like there's, if there's a community of people who like, like, how do I explain this? I feel like it's, the hardest thing for a lot of people to do is just be completely seen as they oh, are. Oh, like the vulnerability. And yeah, and people might argue with that because, you know, they can speak candidly about sex or, like, you know, they don't mind when their friend takes a bad photo of them. But it goes a layer deeper yeah. where it's suddenly, like, you're not going wiggless on Instagram yeah. or you still wear makeup um, before you go out of the house because you're insecure about your skin or you constantly talk about wearing things that are flattering, not just what you'd like, or you second guess what you say and how you say it in the company of different people yeah. because you're trying to manipulate how, um, what you say will be received. These are all things that confirm that we're not as comfortable with being seen as we are, as we'd like to think we are. And okay. that's fine with me. Yeah. Because I think it takes a level of confidence to say that you're insecure. Well, I think, yes, it does. But I think if you're now going to be in a relationship with someone, it's not even worthwhile to be in that relationship if you can't be fully bare. Or at least like 95% bare. Because, yeah, I, I think it defeats the purpose. So like for me, for example, before getting into the relationship that I'm in now... I was like, listen, I have insecurities around being dark skinned. So these are the ways that my insecurities could be triggered or like I might irrationally think that you're going to leave me for a light skinned girl. This stems back from childhood trauma, growing up around white people and, and, and like. But I think, but perhaps it, but maybe cast your mind back to when you were team fake orgasm yeah would you have been able to have a very candid conversation with somebody that you were sleeping with about why you would fake your orgasm what that meant about you what that meant about them though that that just would not happen yeah 
Yeah, right? no, absolutely. So not. if we cast our mind back to those times of like team people please, team fake orgasm, team laugh at his racist jokes, team not call out his homophobic friend, yeah. team drink when you don't want to because it'll make everybody else more comfortable. How how does that person get from A to B in your opinion? It's so hard for me to answer that because I don't know how I got from A to B. It's also mm. because I'm I'm not vulnerable with ev- I'm not vulnerable with most people. I think the person I'm fully vulnerable with is my boyfriend, but that's because I know that the level of intimacy I'm looking for in romance requires a level of vulnerability that you just simply have to get over. And I don't know that there is a strategy for doing it other than just prioritizing intimacy over I don't know performative strength. I don't I I don't know that there is like here are the steps that you can take to learn to be more vulnerable. I think you just have to throw yourself in pussy first because you have decided that you're tired of performing the cool girl trope or like performing a persona that isn't actually you just for the benefit of someone else's gaze. Like Mm. at some point you just get tired of that shit and you're just like no i want to experience full love (laughs) like i want to experience love like fully and deeply and i know what that takes so i'm going to do what it takes and it's Mm. also about doing it with someone that you feel has the range like i also feel like i'm only as vulnerable with someone as they have the range to understand that vulnerability so like just Pick someone who has the range to understand your vulnerability and decide that you're ready for like an intimacy that's deeper than performative love and then just mm. do it. I don't like, do you think there's a strategy? Um, well, or like, how did I you think... go from being non-turbo flex to, to being turbo flex? Well, I was always turbo. It just manifested in different ways. So that's where I've got a little bit of an advantage, mm. but Um, I think the tricky part about the conversation of being with somebody who has the range Mm. is how you discern what range is, because I would argue that some people listening don't have the range, (laughs) but if you're made to feel like you do have the range and now you're using your rangeless basis to decide whether or not somebody else has the range. I know the range that is required for someone to understand my vulnerability. So the way that Mm. I discern whether someone has the range is to be vulnerable with them. And the way that they react to my vulnerability tells me everything I need to know about their range. If you Mm. don't understand, you don't have the range. I don't need to date you. It's fine. Let's move on. If you do, let's keep it pushing. Do you know what I mean? Like... The only way to know is to just throw yourself in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm trying to think because mm. I do think there's a degree of self-awareness that's required, but I am a little bit skeptical of how somebody gets to that level of self-awareness. Mm. Do you know, like, because it's very easy to presume like cognitive it's cognitive bias if you're around people who behave in the way that you do yeah and if you're all aware of said behavior then suddenly you deem that behavior as normal right right so it's the it's the reason why like I think most Australians are alcoholics but because (laughs) everybody has an alcohol problem 
Suddenly, no one thinks it's that. the normal and so nobody thinks they have a problem that's hilarious yeah <laughs> similar to that where if you have unhealthy um like unhealthy behaviors in relationships yeah but all of your friends do like let's say for example I remember when I was um younger like maybe coming out of high school you know when, like you're talking to a boy and instead of just being you know an adult who just has this conversation on their own suddenly you've got you've got the board involved and you've got your seven best friends and you're on the phone and you're sharing screenshots and what should I say and what should they say oh my god they sent me a nude send it to this person oh my god they sent me a dick pic send it here oh my god he said this to me Ah! and there's a level of like immaturity you're like um what's the word like like there's no confidential the whole thing is trash but because you do it and all of your friends do it you assume it's normal and you're aware of doing so you're aware you think that it's normal and therefore you think that you're self-aware about the fact right so the tricky thing about you know discovering range especially in the context of being in relationships and whether or not you're compatible or incompatible is that how are we discerning what range is good or bad or right or wrong or beneficial for your situation. Yeah. That's what I think is tricky. And so I see there. I can, I can, I can imagine there are so many people who are like, you two are fucked. I can really sympathize with the girl who has to deal with her boyfriend, um, living in a house where a girlfriend is half naked, like have some empathy, have some sympathy. And I do, but I also think that, so much foundational stuff hasn't happened. And so if it wasn't going to be this girlfriend walking around in her underwear, it was going to be something else. Yeah. It was going to be something else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe something, yeah, less triggering, something less um, inherently sexual, something that didn't have to do with another person, but it was going to happen. Yeah. So you're saying, what if you don't know what you don't know? hundred percent. Well, I think, um, if you don't know what you don't know, then it's not a problem until you know what it is that you don't know. Do you get what I mean? Like, yes, but then it's almost the source of the issue. Yeah. So using this, am I the, am I the asshole for an example? And similar to what you said about people using their prejudices and their biases to give advice. Mm. If this girl went to one person who um, empathized with her situation and gave her advice that said, your boyfriend is the issue because he should be, you know, more considerate of how you feel. Uh, he doesn't care about you, blah, 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 X, Y, Z. Then the girlfriend carries this energy into every relationship, yeah, presumably, yeah. and thinks that if somebody doesn't understand her perspective, they must not care about yeah. her, <laughs> therefore dump them. Yeah, And it sounds oversimplified, no. but we've all been in similar situations where the way we view the situation has been affirmed so much that we now start to view anybody with an alternate uh, point of view as the enemy or someone who just doesn't get it. Right. Well, this is the tragedy of love, isn't it? It's that we all learn to love from our childhoods and our childhoods are all, or if, okay, maybe not all, that most of our childhoods are toxic or at least like layered with toxicity. And so we take mm. what we've learned for about love from our childhoods and we carry them into our adult relationships and we take that as objective truth. And I just think all you can do is unlearn. Like you don't know, you don't know better until you've experienced better. 
So like for me, I didn't know that I could be with a guy who was considerate until I met a guy that was considerate. And when I met a guy mm. that was considerate, I literally broke up with my ex because I was like, wait, I can do better. And I'm more aware of the ways that you are trash. And I'm more aware of the ways that I want to be loved. And I just think like that's all that love is, is just unlearning you know what I mean because like you don't know what you don't know like when I was with my ex I look back now and I'm like bitch I can't believe you settled (laughs) but then I'm like but actually I wasn't settling I was doing my best Mm. and we're all just doing our best because all we're doing is giving and showing love just mirrored off of the ways that we were given and showed love from our childhoods and that might not even be love but we're just indoctrinated into thinking that it is love Mm. which is also a problem like I think a lot of times people use the subjectivity of love to justify a lot of shitty behavior and yes love is subjective because everything is subjective but it's also as subjective as it isn't so I don't know so in the context of this am i the asshole what do you think is the shitty behavior because obviously we can't analyze the the situation objectively and so if you were in a position where you were this girlfriend and your boyfriend was you know the roommate was walking around in brown panties would you sooner think that the issue is within yourself and address that insecurity or would you um like, what would be your line of action? So if I was the girl who's now feeling mm-hmm. insecure about the roommate, I'm not going to the roommate because it's none of her business. Oh, Period. <laughs> so I'm going to my boyfriend and I'm telling him, listen, I feel really insecure about this pretty girl having her ass cheeks in your face every day. It makes me feel insecure because I have insecurities about my own body and I feel in her presence, I feel replaceable. I feel like Mm. subpar in comparison. And his response to that would let me know whether or not he has the range to A, understand my insecurities and to B, be empathetic and compassionate with them. So I feel Mm. like love is really just like a process of teaching and learning. Like no one is going to just off the bat. Like this is another example. I had a conversation with my ex being like, oh, I don't like when people comment on my body because of past trauma that I have with my childhood and it's affected my perception of self and, and, and. So if you don't mind, could you just not comment negatively or just don't comment at all on my weight because it will trigger me. And instead of him to be like, oh, okay, no, that makes sense. I'll keep that in mind. He thought that was the opportune time to flex his debate skills. <laughs> so I'm here telling him about yeah. my childhood trauma, the relationship that's had with my perception of self, with my body image, with weight, and the ways that certain things trigger that. And his response to that is, yeah, but if I comment on your weight, it's out of love. It's not because... I think you're ugly or I think you need to lose and, and, and I'm like, that is not the point. Like, that is not the point. Yeah, it just honestly, we got to a point where it's like, I have to break up with this guy because he literally doesn't have the range. And not only does he not have the range, he doesn't have the range to know that he doesn't have the range. 
and like what can you do do you know what i mean so mm. second time around i have the this similar conversation with my current boyfriend and his reaction is oh that makes so much sense thanks for telling me i'll keep that in mind i mean what would you do okay if you were in i'm trying to cast my mind back to when i just understood because i for me there was definitely a point in time where i properly understood what self-awareness was which is not only understanding what you're doing but why you're doing it and what's influenced why you're doing it that coupled with getting across Brene Brown for the first time and understanding vulnerability as a concept Mm. not conflating oversharing with being vulnerable was a big one for me um so that all happened in sort of like a one fell swoop but I remember because I mentioned I'm like a nitpicky irritable bitch so it's easy for me to just like talk my shit all the time. I do it now, yeah. but I do it. <laughs> I um, If it's something that's actually bothering me, then I just do the why funnel, which is I ask myself why until it gets to the crux of the issue. So for instance, with this girl, if I was like, fuck, it really bothers me that this girl is wearing underwear in whatever, like this girl's wearing underwear in the house, right? Mm. Let's say I'm, I'm the girl. Then I would ask myself why and say, okay, because I feel like, you know, she looks really great in with her naked body and it makes me feel insecure because I don't feel in the best shape and I think my boyfriend finds her body attractive. Yeah. Why? Okay, I'm not in the best shape because it's not a priority to me and I think my boyfriend would find that kind of girl attractive because I was aware of the people he was dating before we got together mm. and I'm still insecure about not not, you know, not matching up why and then you keep going you keep going you keep going and suddenly you realize it's not even your boyfriend's problem it's not even the girl the roommate's problem it's It's yours your problem (laughs) yeah and so once you get once you get to the inevitable bottom of the why and i think generally asking yourself why five times kind of gets you really close to what the problem is right and then suddenly we've got a lot of triggers that have come out, which is like feeling unworthy, not feeling loved, yeah. not feeling affirmed. And then it's like, okay, if you were receiving more um, affirmation from your partner, would you feel less insecure about this other girl? Probably. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> if you're in a position where you felt like you didn't have to compete with everyone because you're in a relationship where you should feel chosen and you don't feel. Yeah choosy yeah that's an issue you know so suddenly you're like oh fuck like I need to tell my partner that I feel second best or inadequate yeah and that in itself is a whole conversation that you know good on you if you can have that comfortably because if you if you're anything like I imagine this 21 year old girl is you're probably still in the position of viewing all romantic relationships as being very one-dimensional right like As we all he do. has friends with girls, yeah. therefore he wants to fuck all of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, good luck. Yeah, I don't know. I also think it's really important to, like, be with someone who doesn't view insecurity as a flaw, but rather as a, tr- a fundamental trait of the human condition. Like, I think that's also, like, it's a must-have. Like, I can't be with someone who thinks that insecurities are flaws Mm. because already then the like when I feel like when you share your insecurity with your partner they should be supportive they shouldn't be like gaslighting you or making you feel less than because you have an insecurity you know which I think is which I also think is something that a lot of men do and then that again Mm. is like baggage that women carry into relationships it's just such a cycle 
but you know we're just here to discuss it i know we don't have any answers for you basically <laughs> i love how we really dissected one dilemma for like 30 minutes i love it that was a good one right yeah i love and it and i i would say that either way you look at that situation i don't think anybody's wrong i yeah. definitely don't think anybody's the asshole not the boyfriend not the girl not the roommate I think it's just a lot of cross wires. Yeah. And I guess when you haven't built a foundation of like ultimate transparency and you just fill in the blanks, that can be really, really tricky. So like presuming that, you know, you and your partner are on the same page about, you know, sexuality, what's inappropriate, kids, marriage, yeah. politics, religion, whatever. Um, presuming that you're on the same page and then having to kind of backtrack when the cracks appear that shit's a really hard process yeah and how many like relationships situationships like sexual relationships that i have to go through to figure that one out honestly too many bruh but that's also the (laughs) thing like we just all live we live and we learn and like that's all you can do hey yeah and that's on gross yeah wow thank you for listening to this episode and this insightful conversation on love and relationships and what love is exactly let us know your thoughts and join us for our next episode follow us on instagram follow us on twitter follow us on facebook bobo and flex on every platform and we'll catch you in the next episode bye farewell Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.